if the trajectory of voters are saying that they want more diverse representation, then what qualified person do we have within our community fit those values? It was very difficult for me as an individual, like as a black queer person, right, who belongs to both communities. The media wanted to pin one community against <laughs> another, right? You know, as, as someone who also works in public health, I did not expect things to go as fast as they did, yeah. even from that, from, from when the rodeo was canceled, till today. What's up, everyone? It's Indy here, back with Zero Queer, and I'm joined with Julian. Am I? Yeah, shit's kind of wild, huh? I mean, yeah, I'm chilling, but yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild outside. <laughs> You're like the world's on fire, but I'm chilling. It's like not being able to see farts. <laughs> what? You know, like when people are around town farting around, you can't see it. It's like the virus. Like someone may get a whiff. Oh, oh, okay. I, I get what you're saying. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course you can't see farts. <laughs> you can't see the corona either. Yeah. So we have a really, really interesting episode today. We have DeAndre, who's one of our spokespeople, bringing in Mike Webb, who is part of the GLBT caucus in Houston. So we're going to get into that. And then towards the end, we'll talk a little bit about like how to stay grounded during this really like kind of shitty scary time and you know and also for any of y'all that are working from home I think it'd be really useful and helpful to sort of talk a little bit about what you can do to not feel like you're getting cabin fever or how to stay productive but with that in mind just a quick disclaimer for everyone you know we always talk to interesting people you know the interviews that we bring on the show are always really insightful and really interesting and in today's episode are our guests and our spokesperson are going to talk a little bit about the presidential candidates and they're going to talk about some candidates at the local level. And, you know, again, I just want to put out a quick reminder that anything that is said on in these interviews or anything that the guests or the spokesperson really says is not reflective of my personal views or the views of the Veer Queer crew. We like to think that we like to try to uplift all voices, but I just kind of want to just put a reminder out there. You know, yeah, and since and then election, you know, season, yeah, cause, yeah, it's election season, and you know, I will, I remain neutral as far as you know, all the candidates, but especially the presidential candidates. Um, but yeah, uh, let's just get to it. Hey everybody, welcome to Via Queer. I am your host this evening, DeAndre Moore. I am here with the Houston GLBT Caucus President, Mike Webb, and I'm going to let Mike introduce themselves. I use the pronouns he, him, his. That's very important. I want to ensure that we always announce that when you're with me, and so I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, I'm Mike Webb, President of the Houston GLBT Political Caucus. I go by they, them, there. And if you don't know, you can always find out more information about the caucus at www.thecaucus.org. As everybody that's listening in, um, this episode that we're going to talk about is going to be very politically motivated and talking about all things related to the government and so forth and kind of sharing our opinions. Um, for me, just want to note that um, the thing that I say when I'm in support of something does not equate to an endorsement. So if I do not say I am an endorsing anybody or anything like that, do not take it as such. And I think that safe to say that would be the same as if 
Oh, when no. I say that, if I haven't, if we haven't said it, then, then don't take it as correct. just an endorsement. It's, it can just mean we just like that person too. So. Yes, we, very, we, we comment. We have a lot of commentary. Yeah, good commentary. Yes, healthy good commentary. doesn't mean I'm going to vote for them. Yeah, Correct. so cool. But the caucus does have official endorsement. Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll, so since, since you brought that up, let's kind of jump into that. And so um, looking at what the last local elections were last November, uh, was there anything that was like just surprising about the election or anything that just kind of stood out um, to you in the caucus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every election cycle, there's always a surprise that I think people don't predict or think about um, prior to election day. Um, and so we definitely had a couple of good surprises, but also some some difficult ones for our community. The good ones where we were able to replace our county attorney uh, with a very yeah. progressive one. Christian Minifee won his race. And just to like break that down a little bit, um, it's really, really, really hard to be an incumbent. Um, or someone who's already been elected into that office or that position. Um, and it's very rare, actually, to be an incumbent. Most cases, uh, incumbents win 78% of their races, um, which means you have uh, a little bit above 20% chance to, to win your race if you're going against an incumbent. Um, and the fact that the community really joined together and worked with different parts of our community to to remove our former county attorney was a surprise, a good surprise for us. It is. And it's amazing. We talk about incumbents and people don't realize like a lot of millennials and progressives, we wish that everybody had a term limit, but that's not the case. And so what I've realized is that there are people who might mean well that are older in age, baby yeah. boomers and so forth, who we want to see out of their offices. But the sad truth is, unless there's some sort of term limit, unless there's something drastic that we don't wish on them, something that happens, whether it's at health or something like that, or they're no longer with us, we're going to continue to see those same folks in office. Um, unless, like you said, there's a machine behind a person and people that are pushing to, to really motivate and push that. Um, one of the things locally that stood out to me about the, the, this last cycle um, was it the DA race. Yeah. So my, I just, I knew that uh, Adia Jones had this race um after seeing the GLBT caucus endorse Adia um over Kim Ogg, who is part of the community um in some sort you know uh, for her sexuality she's out there about um and still endorse Adia a black woman here in Harris County and seeing the support nationally from everybody all towards Adia to still see her not win that race was extremely disheartening but what's your take on that race and and what really influenced the caucus to not give Kim Hogg the endorsement? Yeah, so no one's given an endorsement. Um, and I just have okay. to clarify that, not in, in, uh, in particular to this particular question, but just in general, because I think there's a misconception oftentimes, um, particularly from candidates, but even some of the candidate supporters, that um, just because you're part of the LGBTQ community, for example, or just because you have friends within the organization, that you're automatically going to get the endorsement. Um, what is very encouraging about the caucus endorsement is you, every person who's endorsed have to work for that endorsement. Um, and to earn the caucus endorsement means getting to know the members. We have over 600 plus. No, actually, we have over 1300 plus active members, people who are paid dues to become members of our organization now. Um, and it means getting to know them and getting to know what they care about the most. Um, and I have to say what really uh, happened in that particular race with DA Og was as Every time in the last two years, DA Aug engaged with our members, she really disappointed the membership. 
Um, it went beyond just disappointing the, the leadership team or even me as the president of the caucus. But um, for example, when she wanted to hire a bunch of attorneys uh, to prosecute cases, um, the caucus made a statement on that, not against Kimog, not uh, supporting it, just made uh, just wanted her to consider different ways of going about this that's more community oriented. Um, and her meeting with the caucus leadership was so combative. Um, and that was her introduction in her leadership uh, term, this election cycle. Um, and then most recently, even when she screened, because we have a screening committee that makes recommendations to the general body. And the general body ultimately decides who to support, who to endorse, and who not to endorse. Um, and in our screening, which was, I think, had the most participants from all walks of life of the LGBTQ community and our allies uh, in her screening, uh, she had caucus members who were passionately supportive of her walk out of that screening saying, oh, we cannot vote for her anymore. Um, in particular, because she, Kim Og refused to understand the significance of prioritizing black and brown LGBTQ community members. Um, particularly, she even said, um, and this is paraphrasing, what does black issues have to do with the LGBTQ community? Um, keeping in mind <laughs> um, that the, the not only is the leadership uh, a lot more diverse than it has been before, and we can't see the relationship between black and brown communities and LGBTQ communities, then maybe you're in the wrong movement. Um, but uh, there's obviously black and brown lives within the LGBTQ community. But even that, just, just, just to put a pin in that, I think that there is a lot of misconception and it's, it's really, it's disappointing to see someone of the community not realize they're still they have a level of privilege, especially our white counterparts to know that yeah. although we are within the same community, there's a level of racism. And that yeah. racism kind of jumped out when she said, I don't I don't see what the black community specifically has to yeah. do with with what's going on right here. And these are two extremely oppressed communities that have yeah. always been oppressed from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then that also kind of makes me question um, how much does D.A. Og know about her history of the LGBTQ civil rights movement? that was started by black and brown trans women of color. Um, so you, it, it has everything to do with it because we've been on the front lines for you to be so free and to do what you can do. Um, but you don't show up when we needed you to show up the most for our community. And then on top of that, uh, Audia Jones, to give Audia Jones a lot of credit, um, she worked her butt off for that endorsement. Literally for over the last year, she was meeting with caucus members, having different uh, coffees with caucus members, coming to every caucus meeting, uh, financially supported, which is important as well. Yes. We can't get the card out. We can't have events. We can't raise awareness without uh, financial support. Uh, she sponsored every event and uh, fundraiser that we had long before she even thought she could even get the endorsement, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that type of commitment and uh, advocacy for the community really impressed the caucus members. And the vote wasn't even close. Uh, we did have to divide the room only because uh, former council member and former caucus president Sue Lovell demanded that we separate the room. And of course, she was supported by former mayor of Houston, East Parker, and former caucus president, East Parker. Uh, who was also present and advocating for Kim Og during that endorsement meeting, um, and both of them lost. So, uh, at least for who they were initially yeah. supporting, Bravo. which is, I think is telling of where we are as the LGBTQ community, meaning that like there's an organic desire for us to be more intersectional um, and inclusive in our advocacy as we move forward with our equal rights movement, or and some of our leaders need to. Uh, understand that need um, and do better at adapting and working with us on it. 
I think that what this taught me in this situation was that it's even more prevalent that although you might be a part of the community, doesn't mean that you're actually for the community. Yeah. And so what I've seen over this last cycle is there's so many allies who seem to be more for our community um, than those that are even within the community running these races. And I don't know if it's, you know, personally, I don't know if it's because they don't want to put too much emphasis on it or what it could be or, or what the real issue is, but it always seems to stem back down to a level of privilege that folks cannot get out of the way of, of seeing that everything is fine. It's fine for you. Doesn't mean that it's fine for me. Um, and so I appreciate that. Is there anything else you want to add about that specific race right now and, or how it makes nope. you look at things from a different perspective? Like it, it pointed out so many telling things that, you know, this was someone that was supposed to be extremely a progressive Democrat mm-hmm. um, from what she ran on the first time. And then we saw her policies come into play. And I feel like there was still, there has to have been in Harris County, a level of disconnect from voters who actually saw those policies go into place and just knowing a name recognition in the face. I think it's really hard, especially in down ballot races. And this is why uh, organizations like the Houston GLBT political caucus is so critical towards helping voters become more informed with who is on our side and who isn't. Um, but it's you had over 80 different candidates, I believe, in some on some ballots. And like when you quite frankly, when you get towards the DA race is one of the last races that you vote for. And when you get towards that the end of the ballot, you're like, OK, who do I recognize? Who do I know? Who have I at least heard from the last four years, not just within the last two years? Um, I, it took Kim Og herself two times to beat the incumbent DA. And I suspect that in order for whoever wants to ultimately beat Kim Og in a race in the future, uh, it's going to take them a couple of times as well. So I would encourage anybody who felt sincerely about their fight that they were standing for in the last election, including Audio Jones, uh, that if they're serious about it, to continue fighting that fight and let's do that again in the next election. That says something. That, that says a lot. Consistency is key. One of the most consistent people that I've seen in any election right now for me is Bernie Sanders, mm. who has yet to give it up. I'm not endorsing anyone, but Bernie doesn't have my vote. So I'm, I'm sorry I, you know, to anybody who might be a Bernie stan or anything like that. But for me personally, I'm not a big Bernie fan. And we're going to come back to the presidential elections because mm. I want to go back from from where it started. Oh, Jesus. Just like running down. Just it's just. Oh. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll come back to okay. that. Another interesting election though, that's, uh, that stood out to me here in Texas has been the Texas um, United States Senate race. Yeah. So uh, going against John Cornyn, which I really wish that Beto had come back for, as opposed to entering the presidential race. I think that there was a level of the nation loved him for what he was doing. And that was taken as this is your moment to run for president, too, as opposed to coming back and really beating this man. I think he had a really great chance. Um, would you guys endorse for the um, primary? We endorse Amanda Erich. And it's, again, it goes back to the relationship caucus members had uh, uh, with her. That being said, it was a, that was a very close endorsement. Um, I think she got the endorsement by one vote. Uh, it was definitely less than a handful of votes. Wow. Uh, for sure. Which goes back to what I would say, uh, votes, every vote counts, every vote matters. And I would encourage everyone to always participate in caucus meetings if you feel strongly about who we should support, which is not like you do on social media, but don't show up in meetings. Um, but the and, only way, just to be clear, the only way to to actually cast a vote, a vote that'll count, is you have to be in that in person meeting. Right? Yes, you have to well, not send a apps. I mean, well, the times may be evolving in soon, okay. and we have an official announcement about how we can participate in meetings going forward. Okay, um, but yes, uh, in order to uh, have a say in who we're endorsing, who we're supporting, you have to show up physically. Currently, as 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 our policies are, you have to show up physically in a, in a meeting okay. uh, in order to vote. I um, mean, you have to have been a member for at least 30 days um, okay. and your membership cannot be paid for by a campaign. 
Um, and so there's lots of requirements in place or I guess uh, accountability measures in place to make sure that each of our members are authentic and, and care about the mission that we're doing. Let me ask a question about you made a statement that I, I did not know. So when you say your membership cannot be paid for by a campaign, is that something that has always been in place or is that something that has been recently brought up? Because I remember seeing before that there was a notion going around that campaigns have been buying members, but I, didn't, I never understood what that meant and how that actually looked. Actually, I can absolutely break that down. Happy Please, to. yes, um, yes. And yes. so <laughs> for the, almost the entire existence of the organization pre-me um, or pre, I'm going to say it more bluntly, pre, before there was like black people in charge of this organization okay. or before it became known that black and brown people were in charge of this organization. Um, uh, before us, uh, there was a standard practice for campaigns to buy membership. Um, and what that means in practice is, for example, if I know if I'm running for a state senate, for example, and I want to, uh, I, I would buy 20 memberships so 20 of my friends can join the caucus um, and they can vote for me, hopefully, um, on the endorsement meeting day. Uh, that, there, that being said, um, I, most recently, I'm going to talk about since I've been on the leadership team. Uh, so when I was membership ch uh, chair, our membership grown for 60 active members to 600 active members. Um, and at that point, I never grew concerned that bought members can outnumber organic members, meaning members who are who came to the organization outside of campaign. Um, secondly, it's uh, bought memberships has always been a good recruitment tool for the organization. Um, we've had some of our best caucus leaders um, who were initially paid for by campaigns, including Fran Watson, including Maria Gonzalez. Um, most of our transformative presidents actually have been initially were recruited by campaigns. Um, that being said, um, our amazing mayor, Mayor Sylvester Turner, one day bought 130 members, I believe. That's roughly around that area. Um, and in, uh, before our municipal election endorsement meeting, so this was last year. Um, and right after a wonderful pride celebration, that was the new scandal that I had to deal with. Um, wow. Which is, I think, what's what you're referring to on social media. Yeah, that was something that I started um, yeah. And even though at that time, our membership was floating around 740 members. Um, and so again, 130 bought members is not going to impact who we're going to support. Um, and it is a great fundraising and recruitment tool. Um, it, our members did feel that even the perception of our endorsement being bought was enough for us to add additional accountability and, uh, uh, measures into the rules. And so one of the rules that we did develop, um, was essentially, and this is not like word for word, um, what is for campaigns not to be buying memberships outside of one membership like for your own of course okay um so but it doesn't prevent campaign from donating members so right. you see folks now all, all the time say hey can i sponsor 20 memberships um and the first pe 20 people that sign up for that membership gets that regardless of who they're voting for and sponsoring a member so just to be clear does that equate that's not the same as buying members for votes um, so I would never say anyone ever has ever bought members for votes okay. because all members, regardless of who paid for their membership, okay. could vote for whoever they want to okay, vote for. Right. Um, in fact, uh, oftentimes a lot of our trans members specifically okay. depended on campaigns buying their memberships um, in order to become members uh, for financial reasons. Uh, that being said, uh, we we're uh, people, individuals or campaigns do have the ability to say, I'm gonna give you five hundred dollars and that pays for. Um, oh, okay. 20 memberships yeah. or whatever, you okay, know? Okay, cool. Uh, okay. And the first 20 people who sign up uh, get that membership. Okay, okay. 
Bravo. Good. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you putting that up. So just talking, continuing the conversation um, and locally here in Houston and Harris County, um, after the primary that just passed here in Texas, I started seeing a, a, a host of articles that were talking about uh, white queer judges yes. here in Houston who were losing their races to black women. Yeah. And then the, I even saw a title somewhere, I think along the lines of women now dominating, you know, political, political arenas and scenes and stuff and taking positions from, uh, from white men or from men in general. Um, and it was kind of almost saying that women are going to be the, the new party, the, the leaders of the party. And it was as if these judges who had lost, there was a, a sense of bitterness to it. Yes. Um, but what I also saw was that it was also kind of pointing out that the party is the same or something like that, or or the process is not the same because women are coming into power, which is something that, in my opinion, as a feminist, should have been happening. I think that uh, women are bombed. I I just think that they make better leaders sometimes. So that's that's just my opinion. Um, but what's your take on that and the and the stuff that we saw that that just recently transpired in February? March, yeah. March, March 3rd. Oh, gosh. So, so much has happened since March 3rd already. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of bitterness within it. There's a lot of uh, confusing feelings, I would say, at best, um, within the LGBTQ community about these three losses in particular. We lost uh, three gay men lost their judicial races. Um, two of them, uh, actually four, two of them the caucus supported um, and two of them the caucus did not support. Um, and I believe all of them lost, most of them for sure, three out of four of them for sure lost their elections to a black woman. It was very difficult just to personalize it a little bit, um, before I give an, an official caucus response okay. to this. Uh, it was very difficult for me as an individual, like as a black queer person, right. Who belongs to both communities. Right. And yeah. like, I think initially the media wanted to pin one community, which the media does very skillfully so good. against <laughs> another. Right. But then they had like the president of the caucus who belongs to both. So you couldn't do that in this particular case because. Um, my first thought was like, actually, I don't know if there's a loss to be blunt about it. Uh, when, it when we're thinking holistically about all underrepresented, um, disenfranchised communities, represent, if we value representation, we didn't lose as like a collective community. We lost partic- like, as an LGBTQ community, but I think that raises different set of questions. Um, one question that it does raise for me is, uh, and I've always said this and I will always say this. For example, Judge Stephen Kirkland and Judge Daryl Moore were pioneers in our community. Uh, they helped pave the way for LGBTQ uh, candidates to even get elected into office and be respected as elected officials. Uh, and that should be honored. And we should honor that. And we should remember um, their work that they have done and support the, the work that they're going to do in the future because they do fight for our communities authentically. Um, that being said, what our community should start asking ourselves is if the trajectory of voters are saying that they want more female representation, uh, if they want more diverse representation, then who, what qualified person do we have within our community fit those values? Um, and so that means stretching ourselves because historically we've only been led by gay white men at best, white lesbian women. Um, we forget trans people in general, uh, and we forget that we have black and brown communities as well. Um, and so I would recommend the LGBTQ community um, identify, quite frankly, black and Latinx 
women, and that goes beyond people who were assigned women, uh, female at birth, uh, to start developing that type of political leadership so that we can have still have representation in these offices. And also for me, it's it's also about educating these people too. Like these these are not necessarily members of our community, but they're they're allies and they yes. talked about wanting to be allies. Yeah. Even for someone who's in the community, I don't know everything that is of the trans experience. Correct. There are things that I mess up and I don't know, but I still ask. And I think it's important for us to to give that education and like help these allies who might win. Um, we don't know who's to say next time it's not Amanda Edwards to get the nomination to become the next U.S. senator for Texas. And so to make sure that she has the correct um, education to know what we need to happen once she's elected. This is what we need. This is what needs to happen. Here's how you protect these folks. And like you said, if they're going to be there, they're going to if these trends continue and we start seeing more and more black women into these uh, positions of power and in public office. I think that we have a responsibility to also educate them and say, hey, since you're here and if you're going to be here, this is the things that we need. And this yes. is what this is what what would help us. And so I agree with you. It's not a loss for me. It's it's a great thing. I think it's beautiful to see um, so many women continue to come into power. And so I love it. Bravo. And it's also an opportunity for the LGBTQ community to do deeper engagement with other communities mm-hmm. for them to understand why is it still important for us to have representation, right? Exactly. Um, and that's another part I don't want us to leave out. I don't want to say there's no room for gay white man anywhere, right? right? Um, I don't think it's undeniable that uh, Judge Stephen Kirkley and Judge Daryl Moore were uh, great judges. Even like I think Daryl Moore was rated the highest out of all judges in Harris County. Um, and it's amazing. And so that, that is a loss, um, that our system is going to experience. And so we, as a community should also find out ways to where we can deeply ingrain ourselves in other communities so they can see our value for representation as well. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to kind of move on to what I brought up earlier was when I talked about Bernie Sanders, um, going into this, very long presidential race that we've been experiencing that started off at one point with 20 plus candidates in the race Mm. as they continue to um drop out slowly over time um so 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 let's talk about that let's talk about some of the the interesting things that are that are going on because again this is a crucial election as it all every election is crucial and i think it's it bothers me sometimes when i see folks thinking that the only time they need to vote is every four years when yeah. it's a presidential election. It does, granted, the presidential election does bring out more people for whatever reason. But if you're listening and you think that the presidential election is just that, that's the important one, you're wrong. Um, the local elections are probably the most important elections that you can vote in. Absolutely. Um, because those are the people that you can, you can touch. You can physically go to their offices. You can see them. You probably would never get a meeting with the president. Not saying it won't happen. But the, the, the chances of that happening are very slim to none for you to have a one on one conversation with the president and them actually remember who you are, what you were talking about and so forth. Um, and so just just know that those elections that happen every other year, every two years, whenever it is, if there's not a presidential race going on, please get out there and vote because those matter as well, just as much. Absolutely. If not, like I said, more. In fact, everything that's deciding your life because of the coronavirus right now mm-hmm. is basically being decided by a local official who you either elected or didn't elect, but um, voted. Voted to be in office. Yes. No, literally, literally. I've been, yeah. I've been watching other cities and counties across the nation um, have been shut down since last week 
And even here, and, and, and I get it, this is a really huge community and nobody wanted to disappoint the people, um, but with the best interest at heart to see other larger communities like Dallas and, and, and even smaller communities like New Orleans and so forth, shut down their cities and close out their bars. And we here in Harris County finally did it today. It just was like, it could have happened faster, but I also get both sides, not wanting to cause panic because that's what happens. Yeah. If, mean, nothing else, panic, on that. <laughs> if nothing else is panic, that it's, it's panic. But the fact that it happened, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that it finally did um, because it needed to happen. And, and we will definitely begin talking more about the coronavirus in a second. But going back to, to the presidential election, yeah. what was one of the most either exciting or things that kind of jumped out to you most in this election so far? I would say initially, um, initially I was excited about the level of diversity, the primary uh, participants. So I know people were like, very frustrated. There was like 22 plus, I think, yeah. at some point mm-hmm. uh, of different candidates. But I, I, don't, I know very few communities who did not feel like they had someone who at least reasonably represented their interests or values or their communities. Um, running for office at some point throughout this primary. For me, for me, it was to see Mayor Pete. So I, here it is, a white gay man here who's, who's, who's kind of setting the tone and, and creating some sort of path for LGBTQ people out and open, let me say that, out and open LGBTQ people to come into the highest level of office there is to, to, to run for it and to be a candidate. In all the years that I've been alive since 94, I've never seen that happen. Um, so to see that happen now, it kind of gives me a level of hope. I used to stay in school. My 94. Friend, I'm a baby. I'm 25. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have never seen that happen. Like, I can't say if it happened before me or anything like that. Um, but that this is my first time seeing it. And so for me, my, my friends, every, anybody back home can tell you when there was always the question asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do when you going to, when you grow up in the back of my mind, that was the gay part in there but it was always i want to be president one day i want to be president it was the gay president be the first gay president or something like that so to see somebody doing it um was it was good to see to see him poll and such a level and command that much respect i didn't I, i'm being transparent and honest i didn't expect it i figured that maybe be one of the first ones out and drop out but to see how far he went just was it was dope it was really cool and like you said this the panel was so diverse. It was. I, 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 I felt inspired by Mayor Pete towards the end of his candidacy, not necessarily towards the beginning. Towards the beginning, I was very frustrated by his candidacy, yes. uh, personally speaking. And I think the, the, the challenge with being caucus president all the time is like, I've learned not to have personal feelings a lot because ultimately <clears throat> it's the members who basically tell me what to say and think and do. You can't. You cannot. <laughs> and so you cannot. if I have personal <laughs> feelings, it sometimes makes the job harder. Yes. Uh, that being said, uh, so I was preparing myself just in case the caucus insanely endorsed uh, Mayor Pete. Uh, I try not to have strong feelings about his candidacy, but at the beginning, but then he impressed me though when he started doing intentional outreach to black communities. It took, it took, it took, I don't know when or where, but somebody black showed up and said, look, if we're going to do this, you're going to do this. You have to, you have to do you it right. Gotta, you have to start you doing have to do it this. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things that that turned me off to him was in the beginning, there was no intentionality to reach out to black voters yes. or to to appeal to black voters. And it was just that 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 privilege again, that privilege was just jumping out like for what I'm good. I'm 
I'm a decorated, I'm, I'm a decorated vet, um, a, a mayor, all these different things that I've had in front of me. Um, and so I just feel like he didn't see it, but I honestly do also see at the same time that if this, this man, if Mayor Pete comes back in like 10 years after, you know, putting some more energy and being intentional about his outreach to communities of color, all of them, black, brown, Latino, Latinx, Asian communities, everybody has an even better chance of coming back and actually making something happen. That's true. And I think LGBTQ individuals now, uh, in general, have a better chance of being taken more seriously, uh, especially by our, our establishment leaders in the political arena. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Um, so see where we are now. We're down to two more candidates. People have dropped You're out. You're going to talk about the Bloomberg effect? Oh, uh, that was an interesting three months. It was. So we're going to go. I was <laughs> going back to that. But the way that Mike Bloomberg kind of came into the fold, um, if anybody doesn't know, I'm Everybody I'm sure is listening knows that Mike Bloomberg, this wealthy, I think he's like the eighth richest man in the world, uh, 60 plus billion dollars um, net worth uh, to just jump in and dispose so much money in a 10 week time frame, managed to spend 520 something million dollars. I just want my loans paid off. That's it. But he managed to spend that much money on ads. That's not even counting how much he paid staff, all that. That was literally just on ads. And to see this person come in with all their baggage, what everybody else thought of him before, and yeah. still poll at the rate that he polled, still get the amount of votes that he had, um, that speaks volumes to where any party could be, could be going towards. Yeah. Um, if you got the money and you work hard enough and you can appeal to people too, that, that it just it speaks volumes to how things are changing. It's not so much as touch, outreach, and things like that. It becomes a inception mm -hmm. you see it so much it's like damn this is my only option this is all i have left like this this is what i know and especially our older our older you know the baby boomers the ones who are actually still going out there and vote although millennials possess the 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 strongest and highest voting power i'm not so sure they were exercising it as much as we honestly mm -hmm. could be but you know who is exercising their voting, voting power very well the lgbtq community oh obviously Ten percent of um ten percent of primary voters were LGBTQ community members. Ten percent. Wow. wow. And we make up well, in Texas, and that was even in Texas as well. We make up four percent of the population in Texas. Yet we were ten percent of the primary voters. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of that, so for me, the one of the most powerful caucuses in the state of Texas, let alone just Harris County, is the GLBT caucus. Anytime, if you don't get that endorsement, I'm just I'm always feeling like, eh, you know, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't get it. Like, it's, you weren't worth it. So that was it. And a lot of people who are not of the community also see that. Yes. And I've noticed that, like, I, there are people who I've seen before, like, I need that endorsement. Yes. It's like, what are you going to do to get it? Then? Like, you, like you said, we don't just give it away. You have to work for it. But yeah, so, man, just experiencing that. I had my own personal experience with that. Um, the campaign was extremely, it was, it was a machine. If there was a, ever a world or machine that I'd seen before, it was the Bloomberg campaign to see how that yeah. worked out. From the outside and inside, everything, just how it navigated so fast, so quickly. Yeah. Money talks, too. Well, I think it was important to highlight sort of a couple of things. One, um, Elizabeth Warren did an amazing job of highlighting some, some issues that we have, um, systematic issues, I would argue, yeah. um, that needs to be changed. Uh, and um, depending on where you were politically, unfortunately or fortunately, Bloomberg was the victim. Yes. Um, as she highlighted that. Yeah. Uh, and I was also disappointed with how Elizabeth Warren performed yeah. um, throughout the primaries as well, because I was really rooting 
uh, for her. Um, That's my girl. Viability. I want to highlight viability because once I saw she wasn't viable, I, my, she lost that, support. That, that's what it was for me too. Um, At yeah. first she was like my aunt. Like she was. I know. I know. But and, and I think the, the frustrating thing about that dynamic was Obama didn't have those luxuries of like, where if you vote for him, uh, he would be viable, right? Like Obama had to be viable from the jump. Yeah. Um, and I know that Obama is a man, but as like black people, yeah. uh, we have to work so hard uh, to get the few accomplishments that we do. Um, and so I wasn't willing, I guess, to give anyone else um, that leeway that yeah. quite frankly, we aren't afforded. And I know that's a backwards way of thinking yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I, um, but once I saw that she couldn't win elections. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, so, so that's what it was for me. It was, it was, I would love for her to have the nomination now. But I did not feel that she could honestly win the yeah. general election. There was never a person. And, 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 and even, even though he's not in it anymore, and this is not an endorsement for, but if I'm being realistic, there was a person who I thought at number one who could honestly beat Trump. It was Mike Bloomberg. I me. thought so, too. Like if there was I was anybody, so anybody that could honestly go toe to toe with this man is going to be this man. I thought was he was. The, 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 but I think that's telling as well that even in because in full disclosure, I worked for the campaign um, and um, I got a lot of flack uh, and criticism. Oh, trust <laughs> for, me. I, look, so, so, so in full disclosure, so did I. Um, and, 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 and his there were things that had come up to and even as a black as a black man, for one, as a black queer man that I identify as um, it was always asked the question, how can you do this? How can yes. you do that? And for me, it was, we all make mistakes. This is not an excuse. What, he, what, what, what happened and what he did as mayor, um, I saw both sides of it. Yeah. There were some things that, were, that had bothered and were not fair to black and brown communities in New York City that affected those families that are still affecting those families today. Um, how does that get fixed? How do, how do we have restorative justice towards that? I don't, I don't know what that looks like right now. However, what I saw was a man who was committed um, to, to doing more, who came out and openly apologized with no excuses and said, I want to try to make it up. I want to make up in some way, but I want to be intentional about building generational wealth in black and brown communities. I want to be intentional about closing the mm -hmm. socioeconomic gap within the black and brown communities and our white counterparts. I want to bring back black Wall Street. Like, yeah, that's what sold me. And I think for me, it was mostly uh, I'm terrorized and tormented and traumatized by Trump. Um, and I'm just being very, very blunt. And I know so many people whose mental health has deteriorated over the last three years. And I can't imagine us having to go through another four of this. Um, and I am willing to do almost anything uh, that's legal, moral or <laughs> righteous uh, to beat Trump. And I thought that Bloomberg, even if he was the lowest common denominator for progressives, uh, had the resources uh, and the skill sets to do that. Um, and on top of that, it was super impressive. And I think this part gets lost in the conversation around Bloomberg uh, was the cultural representation his campaign had. This was the first time uh, a national campaign had statewide leadership led by black women. Um, and in Texas, our entire leadership team, with exception, I think two people initially uh, were black women. And. It was so interesting on the campaign seeing white people report for the first time in their careers to a black woman um, and how those dynamics shifted. And a lot of the story behind the scenes, I don't feel like it's my right to tell. I'm going to wait until they tell their story. Right. Um, but I think if the community actually lived the values that we preach on social media, 
um, in practice every day, you will see that the campaign itself in Texas actually exemplified those values. Um, and it goes beyond talking points. You can easily digest on CNN or MSNBC um, or on Facebook posts. Uh, it goes into your everyday lives that we live to every day. Uh, most people still report to a white person um, and find no problem with that um, and have no issues with that, uh, but suddenly have issues with black people supporting black people. Exactly. So it just happened to be for white. Just happened to be for white. Yeah. Had the, the right things to put in place. So, so just going that to was that, a personal. No, I, that, yes, and I and I appreciate not that reflective moment. of the caucus. I'm so at sorry. All, yes, <laughs> bravo. Um, and so just seeing that, and, and like I said, I hate that he was not uh, we're not able to get as many delegates. I do think maybe if we had started a little earlier, things would have been different. It was only three months, two months in Texas. Yeah, literally third, and also I had missed delegates before from yeah. states before that had already passed. So, so I think it good, was worth it. Good job, Beyonce. Right. <laughs> it was. It was good. It was. It was tough. I knocked on so many doors. I had to go through two pairs of shoes. It was, I put in work for my, for my first, my first um, uh, large and presidential campaign. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's something that I would do again. Um, and it also made my my love for politics grow a little more. And wouldn't you say you now you have skill sets that you can use elsewhere oh, to I have like you right, like skills that I like to develop that kind of work that fast, yeah. like to to know things that. For someone who had never mm-hmm. used certain systems before to be like a whiz at it, like I'm ready for like what's yep hi you you gotta hire me you have to pay me now I know what I can do right. I know what I've been attached to so that comes with a certain level of respect at the end of the day whether you like the candidate or not the way that we ran the campaign was it's it's unbet and can't beat it hell you could sell Bloomberg you could sell it's almost anything. anything exactly I could I tell people that all the time so he was a terrible candidate. <laughs> So bravo. And I, 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 if, if I, I wish I had been an advisor to just say no debate. Uh, off, off, why do you, okay. Anyways, Please, we, yes. So, we should write a whole and, book about and, that. And, 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 if, and if I don't, I don't, but there, there is a gay man somewhere on Elizabeth Warren's, uh, uh, senior advisory team, because the way she get out those reads on the debate stage. And oh yes. Debate, oh no, no. I say, I can, I say she, she did it. She, when she I say it. she could read and like shade and gather you. And it was just like crickets. Like you couldn't say anything back. Um, but even, that even was, with that, even that was frustrating though, because like was. most of her black staff in Texas resigned and quit during the campaign yes. because they felt like they had to deal with so much racism while working for that campaign. Exactly. And so it was just so frustrating. To, and I'm just going to write my personal. Give me all the personal. I love it. It was just so frustrating seeing us as progressives. Right. Um, say that like, and she does a great job of communicating progressive values, right? right? But like, if you can't guarantee that in your own system, then how can you guarantee that in a government you're trying to run? Exactly. Um, and that was just my personal frustrations oh. with the presidential election. I so now I just want to beat Trump. And whoever one of you can beat Trump, that's who I'm going to support. And, 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 and whoever gets elected, my goal is to still support whoever the party has. Um, I appreciate the, the, the Democratic Party. I'm a Democrat, full disclosure. Um, and, and that's my goal is to, to help push them up to to sway other voters to ensure, hey, you might not want to vote for this person, but we still need you to get out there and do it. Yeah. And we need to get as many as many um, electors as we can. That's what it's going to come down it to. It doesn't look like we have to vote for Bernie Sanders, but even if we have to vote for Bernie Sanders. We even if we have to vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so, so that's one of the things that it comes down to. Um, I do think that Joe Biden is going to have a better shot. I see where Bernie is right now. Bernie, for me. This is a personal note. It's the all so Elizabeth was the auntie that I didn't want anybody to mess with. Like she's cool, like her. She has some good reads. Don't talk bad about her, you know. But she she just she just wasn't the one to win. Bernie is like the old grandpa who was 
the shit back in the day. Like he really had a lot going on. He he really was on the front lines. He did do a lot for for our communities and so forth. And and I appreciate him still writing on that. There are things that kind of conflicted with that during his tenure um, as senator. Um, but just seeing him still go, it's like, come on, pops. Just yeah. go. There's got to be some branches that wanted to hang with you or something at this nope. point. Like somebody somewhere have wants to spend time with you just at the house, one of the houses that you have somewhere on the lake. But he continues to go and he continues to fight. He's so persistent. Like if there was ever... I'm gonna do this until the day I die. This is it's Bernie Sanders. Well, hopefully it's he a, supports the nominee too. And that's what I hope to. Yeah. I hope he doesn't wait to the last minute to do no. so because his supporters. That that's another thing. So we're talking about the the Bloomberg effect, the Bernie effect. Yeah. Like I don't know another candidate whose supporters are as vile and who can be as vile and just rude. Even working on the campaign, I saw Bernie supporters. We we heard about it. Oh, in they Austin. attacked us the most. Listen, Bernie supporters would come into offices making threats, literally yes. threats, harmful threats to other people. And it was just like, what? I don't know. I don't know where they come from. And the fact that it took Elizabeth Warren having to go and say like, like, bro, like your supporters are out of control and you want, you have to put out something to let them know like, hey, chill. That's not how I want you guys to do things. Because at this point, you let it go on so long and you knew somebody somewhere had to tell you how your your Bernie bros were. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he didn't feel responsible for uh, his followers to an extent until he absolutely had to. Right. Uh, but I, and I don't know. And I'm just being very careful with this yeah. because I know I, I've, I have pretty intense supporters as well. Yeah. And we all have pretty intense of course. supporters. Uh, but I would say that uh, it's. The type of people that decide to follow you is a reflection of you. That's what I will say. Um, yeah. And a reflection mm. of how you uh, value community. Yeah. Um, and I, I just personally prefer community leaders who are more about building bridges between us. Because we already have enough natural. Oh, my gosh. Um, and this is me personally. And I don't want anyone to attack me anymore. Yes. I'm, I'm done for that for at least a month. Won't shake it up yet. But I, I think I, I just prefer leaders who, who, who prioritize finding the common relationship between us, what connects us and what we can work on together than those who find areas to divide us further. Because I can already find 10 reasons to, to hate another person on Facebook these days. But what reason do I have to actually care about their life? Because at some point, um, me caring about their life and them caring about my life is going to be essential for us to actually do something together and evolve and progress. And I think that alone speaks to a person's character um, and just looking at the presidential candidates and their characters, like how you are attacking people and the things that you do. Like you said, your followers are going to take that as something that I should do it too. <laughs> and so just knowing that, hey, I don't have to be so negative all the time. I don't have to be negative at any time towards someone just because I know that you don't like me, it's just, it's, it costs nothing to be positive. It costs nothing to, like you said, build these bridges. The only thing you can do is help connect our communities and help us be better leaders and provide a better tomorrow for, for everybody here, especially the babies. Those are always the babies. The baby. That's what I call the youth. The youth are the babies. Those are the ones who matter most in all of this. I do have to uh, provide a disclaimer. The caucus did not endorse in the presidential race. And so, okay. <laughs> so I can say whatever the heck <laughs> I, I want to say. say about it. Yes. So bravo. Good, good, good. And so even with that, with, with paying attention to how candidates are responding also at every level, and we're talking about how um, elected officials are responding at every level, um, I think it's important to kind of come back and highlight where we are with this new novel coronavirus that has kind of mm. literally swept the world. Um, and for me, if I'm being in full disclosure, when, I, when it first happened, even up until maybe even two weeks ago, I did not think it was that serious. 
And I think because of that, it was a level of my own privilege yeah. that it's not bothering us over here. That's an over there thing. Mm-hmm. But what that kind of goes back to for me is I had to check my own shit and was like, wait, like back in the 80s and 90s, that's what straight folks said about HIV. Well, I want to get you to give yourself some grace for a right. second. Yeah. Just give yourself some grace, yeah. because I think a couple of things that we have to keep in mind is one we were just getting off a campaign when yeah. this was getting serious and you know campaign life is a bubble within itself like if it's not related to <laughs> my friends my friends can vouch like i was yes. like yeah i can't do it like and they know like i'm really good about working and having a social life i had no social no, you life. Had no life if you, you if you life. got to see me it was because i had i had an hour lunch yes. and even then when we were having lunch i was still working on my yeah. phone or on my laptop yeah, that was called all they still tested on those anyways um, I appreciate that, but thank yes. you for pointing that so, out. So, like, literally right after the campaign ended, we were dealing with these questions on how to move forward with uh, in the world of coronavirus. Um, and and quite frankly, I'll be completely honest, it wasn't until last week where even our officials uh, were providing adequate and culturally competent guidance on exactly. how to move forward. Uh, because what became real for me was, I think it was uh, today's Monday. Yes. So, it was last week when... Uh, I saw that Abby Councilmember Abby Kamen canceled her district meeting. Um, and no shade, Abby. But I was like, that district meeting is smaller than a caucus meeting. Exactly. And so uh, what should the caucus do? And then I started thinking of our members. Most of our members are 50 years old. Most of the members who attend physically meetings are over 50 years of age, have some type of, um, and I'm not stereotyping, but just realistically speaking, based off of statistics, uh, will likely have some type of pre-existing condition. And I didn't want to put their lives in any jeopardy, even though we weren't receiving clear guidance on like how to move forward. And so I called Councilmember Cabe, uh, Councilmember Abby came in and to her credit, she immediately answered um, and immediately was like, these are the, this is what we're seeing in this, in Houston. We, we now know the transmission is community. Yeah. It's no longer isolated incident. Yeah. Um, and that by itself, um, you should make sure your members who are above a certain age are, uh, do not attend. Um, and I felt it was unfair, especially if we're going to have some races where we're going to endorse and to say that some members can participate and some members cannot. Um, right. And uh, if it's that much of a concern, then we need to cancel that meeting. Um, and I think that's when it became real for a lot of folks, especially when the mayor canceled the rodeo. That was it for me. Like before, like when they canceled South by Southwest in Austin, I was like, okay, I get it. That's been going on for 30, like about 30, 33 yeah. years or so. So the, the first time ever it was canceled. But the rodeo is like 80, 80 years or so, I think. Like yes. it's been going on. And so I'm like. It's one of the biggest contrib- like economic contributors to the city. Literally. Yeah. And, and so that, and that's one of the things that I'm thinking about. And, you know, as, as someone who also works in public health um, for AIDS Healthcare Foundation, um, and we're constantly being updated, constantly being called into meetings about what we're going to do next. How do we better serve the community? Um, I did not expect things to go as fast as they did yeah. even from that from from when the rodeo was canceled till today to get updates today everything. everything yesterday it was we're not doing that no groups above and i people. think that was also a notion of i don't want to send our our communities into a panic that this yeah. thing is going to be that bad but it's also precautionary steps to have to take and i get it and i appreciate that the unfortunate side of all of this is once the rodeo shuts down and all these things these unprecedented things happen we're thinking yes this is better to help stop the spread but what about those folks? There was a lady who was on there and said, like, I'm poor. This is what I this is what I look forward to all year because mm-hmm. this is how I have to feed my kids. Like, it's just the babies. Like, I get so emotional. I want to cry. Like, those babies are 
Is there also the babies who only get food sometimes at school? No, it's just so many. I think there's so many. Like, I have two reflections on this. One, um, I think this highlights the importance of us only creating an emergency when there actually is an emergency. We live in a climate now where the media and where even we sometimes as individuals make everything urgent. And so when people, when we have a real emergency or a real urgent call of attention, people are like, is that real? Because I've been told that there's a panic or I said panic so many times before, whether it's about a hurricane or it's about a riot or it's about somebody's election. Um, and then nothing happens. And now you want me to care. But should I really care? Because last time I spent $300 and nothing happened. happened. Right. And it's like, and so I think there was like legitimate skepticism at first um, from people uh, that should be taken into consideration when we're criticizing each other, which leads me to my second reflection is there's a way to educate folks without shaming folks. Um, because what we're asking folks to do is change behaviors. And as you know, in the HIV field, behavior change takes months, yeah. if not years. Oh, yeah. um, there's and, some, some behaviors I should have been changed that I right? just like, I'm... Like there's interventions <laughs> that literally have a six to a year, like six month to a year timeline in order to see effective behavior And you're literally, it's not a gradual thing. It's literally no. stopped. Right. Like if you and, and now we're asking, to, yes. stop. Now we're you telling can't. people to change overnight. Yeah. And and so you have to you have to be compassionate when you're asking people. Some people depend on social connectivity for their mental health. Yeah. For vital services. Um for their for for their livelihood, yeah. for their paychecks. Exactly. Like and 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 for a safe space. And right. so when I think about our community, the LGBT community, a lot of us, a lot of us, our safe spaces are those nightclubs, mm-hmm. are those gay bars. Mm-hmm. It's Montrose. It's somewhere where I can find the people like me. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that people go through mentally. Their escape is being social. Right. So now we're isolating people into a space right. where they're going to have to have those thoughts and have to rely on a cell phone to call people and they can't physically be around other people. And so with that, just with that make a point right there is, is, is if you're one of those people who is very social um, and, and you rely on those, like find a friend, find an accountability partner, someone that you can call when you're having thoughts or you're going through a moment, um, that it seems like depression is increasing or anxiety is increasing and get the help. Um, I will be posting on my social media pages, um, resources that can help while we're going through this kind of almost quarantine phase yes. where we have to be inside of the house yes. and you cannot be in gatherings of larger than 10 people. I, uh, I just discovered group FaceTime. A, oh, yes, yes. Oh, I yes, didn't know yes, you knew yes, that. Yes, I mean, yes. I'm getting old, girl. I'm not as young as you anymore. I love it. I love it. Group uh, FaceTime is a thing. Group FaceTime gets you in trouble, but group um, FaceTime is a thing. So, I like trouble. So hey, I, can be, I can get in virtual trouble? Virtual trouble, yeah. So come on. We can look. Take advantage. Find the goods and being inside of a house. If you, um, me and my best friend were talking like, like we roommates, girl, but like, we need quarantine bay. Like we need like I need quarantine with somebody together. I was like, thinking about quarantine bay too, but like I'm never that type of person. Right. Like I do I This is not reflective of the caucus, by the way. At all. <laughs> so 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 all of those things and just and just being positive about that. But seeing I do think that there was more that the government could have been doing than Nash, the federal government. But at the same time, this is novel. It's a first. That goes back to what you were saying earlier, though. This is why elections are so critical. And this is why, like, I know politics can be boring and politics can be very sort of like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that because it's very emotional and could be very negative. All of this is politically Um, ready. But at the same time, you have to find ways to get involved politically because your life literally and Times like now is like evidence of that is dependent on who we have in office. And when we look at the, the the measures, like you said earlier, too, to your point, was that 
we've become such a reactive environment that now it's an emergency. Now we have to react mm-hmm. now. And that that kind of leads to why there's a shortage of things in the stores that we need. Why people are buying so much toilet paper, I don't know. I wanted to just buy vitamins. I went. I did I, too. That's I, what I went. Yeah, yeah. I only got vitamins. Yes. Like I mean, I get it. It's cool. I, we need to wipe ourselves, but I need some emergency, which I cannot find. I cannot find oh, they, emergency anywhere. They, I got. My, I went I got to three different stores. I couldn't find emergency. Yeah, and I love it, and that yeah. it works. But I've gotten the vitamins that I can get, but that it people have become so reactive as opposed to being proactive. And so has our government. Yeah. And our government had the opportunity. Our our president had the opportunity to keep um, institutions in place like the National um, Task Force for uh, Emergency Disasters Reliefs, all these types of things, um, but had dismantled them already in 2018 and so forth. And now it's like, we got to kind of try to put something together amidst of all that's going on right now to help our communities. And so um, just as we're talking about elections and government, pay attention to what elected officials are doing at every level. Pay attention, yeah. And, and, and know that that, believe them when you see what's happening, yeah. when they wait to the last minute, when some good sources I would recommend is um, Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo. Uh, she has been excellent. Um, and ironically, the youngest elected official in Harris County. I was just talking about this weekend. Oh. I was like in the most powerful. Yes. And if people don't people don't realize how strong a, a, a county judge is, that's that's the CEO of the, the county. And they her- control just about everything. The mayor's good. The mayor's the face of everything and they have power. But the mayor cannot do anything without his check and balance. And I think it's important that, uh, and she's been just providing real-time information, real-time updates. Uh, and you check out her Facebook, which I don't know on top of my heart because I'm working If you her. type, yeah, if you type in Lena, Lena Hidalgo, Hidalgo. You, yeah, you'll find her. Um, and I think that's the most, I've been very impressed with her, mm-hmm. her response to, to all of this and how she's addressing this locally. Um, and of course, Mayor Turner, but there's so many other, as you were saying earlier, uh, players involved in, in how, what he announced. He has to go through so many different departments and things of that nature to get things cleared. And he's, um, publicly has said that he's following the guidance and advice from the, the Houston Health Department, which is a large bureaucracy exactly. as well. Um, but I, so both of them are, are great outlets. And Lena Hidalgo is a, if you just need someone right quick to always follow to get updates from about this, I would go to Lena Hidalgo. And, and so this is what's on the virus. And as we get ready to wrap up, I just want to make a few points that if, if there's somebody listening who is experiencing having to stay at home, if you have kids or nephews or anybody who is of school age and these kids are, it's looking more and more like that the school year is pretty much over. Um, uh, TEA has come out and talked about the possibilities of closing schools indefinitely for the rest of the semester. Um, think about how that's going to weigh on seniors in particular. Senior year was like my most, my, the best year of my life. It was so laid back. I had prom. We had senior skip day. We had these outings. We had everything that we had to cherish those memories that is now being taken away. Um, and that's going to weigh heavily on these school kids um, who rely on school as their escape from these homes and these places. So if you can find something, um, look on Amazon, find some fun educational materials for age appropriate uh, folks in your home or someone that you know and send it to them um, because it, the baby still got to learn. And yeah. they might look at it as a moment to like not have to go to class, but when they go back to school with whatever point that is, it's going to be a lot of making up to do. And so why not take this opportunity to also try to make sure that they're they're on their game and, and take the best practices. There are a lot of resources um, in your city, in our city, in our counties, like the food bank, folks will will be without for some time. Uh, yeah. My hope is that we see a, a federal aid package come in. I don't know why FEMA has yet to be activated, 
Um, but there is a lot that's going to have to happen. And so I'm hoping that folks pay attention to all of this. And you can visit www.thecaucus.org again for some additional resources on our website. We have some up and some good educational articles that we trust, um, that our leadership team trusts. So beyond myself. So even if you like some of the things I said today, um, there's like 10 people that tell me what to do on a regular basis. Uh, and they are the ones that update our website. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and just making a point to what you just said, thinking about the leader is like the mayor and, and the president, everybody else. There's a team of people who tell folks in those leadership positions, like, hey, this is what we want to do. You're the face who gets to deliver the message. You're also going to take the crap of however it comes out and off the people, too, sometimes, yeah. too. Nobody else gets really the back end of those things, too. Is I mean, and, and it comes with some perks. You, yeah, of course. you get to have some say. I don't get a yeah. vote, but right. I get a say. Yeah, say. So. And that say matters, too. You yeah. get to call order and so all those kind of things. So mm-hmm. it's, it's true. Um, and if anybody's also experiencing any symptoms of the coronavirus, please, please, please. Um, search, find out where you can get your test at. Do not worry about the cost. The CDC has released and the, and, and the government overall has released that these tests are free. So do not let that be a deterrent. If you're showing symptoms of a continued cough, um, uh, uh, trouble breathing or a fever or anything like that right now, um, please go. Please go. Please do not wait to the last minute. Unfortunately, you will have to quarantine yourself. Do not let it be around anyone. Um, you have to make sure that you are okay and that we kind of stop the spread of this before it gets any more out of hand than what it is. So as we continue to get ready to wrap up, uh, Mike, do you have anything else that you want to leave us with today? Um, We've said a lot. We discussed a lot. The only thing I would say is don't give up on anything, um, especially on political engagement. The caucus is trying to figure out how can we make our community meetings virtual uh, for the next three months, at least to protect everyone who's a caucus member. Um, but I would love for more people to get engaged, especially queer folks, uh, because our voting has power. Um, and if we work together and we organize with each other and simultaneously get to know each other, we'll realize just how amazing and diverse our community is. Um, if our community can get our shit together, um, then we can help our entire society get its shit together because we have everyone and all the ingredients that we need to move forward. Here's one thing to point out to that is that you do not have to be at a meeting to join the caucus. You can actually join online. Oh, thank so you, yes. you guys, if you have spare time and you're at home because you're not at work or something and you got like some extra money in the account, by all means, go online to what's only, the website again? www.thecaucus.org. Yes. Thecaucus.org. Okay. They only $40 for regular members. If you're a student, they $20. If you're a senior, they're $20. We don't define what senior means. So that's up for interpretation. If you feel like a senior, that's $20. <laughs> Um, and we also have some memberships that have been donated. And so you just email membership at the caucus.org if you would like to become a member, but do not have the resources to do it. That's amazing. Um, just email a membership at the caucus.org and we will take care of you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so just before I close out, guys, just remember that it's important. Like I said, we said, um, pitches to the elections. Um, local elections are very important. Those are the most important. Pitches into our state elections. Watch our now elected officials. When we're in the moment, this moment of crisis and be mindful um, when you're out shopping, if you get a chance to go do stuff, don't overdo it. There are other people who also need these resources. Um, and I'm not saying that resources are scarce, but I think that we tend to overdo things sometimes. So be mindful of that because we're all a community and we all want to come out on this together because um, it affects all of us. Whether you're feeling the effect now or not, at some point you will. Um, the way that the economy is going and everything, just just be mindful and protect yourselves. and. This won't stop what's going to happen in the country. So continue to be ready come November. I do feel like there's going to have to be a way for us to vote. I don't know what that might look like then, but it's going to happen. It has to happen. 
So please continue to pay attention, watch the news, keep updated on Facebook, social media, whatever you might use to find out your information. That's how I find out most of mine. It's fast. Um, and continue to to keep everybody, you know, in your thoughts and 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 be the best version of you that you can be. So thank you for joining in with us today. Again, my name is DeAndre uh, Moore here with Beer Queer. And I'm it's a pleasure to have you, Mike. I appreciate thank you for being me. here with us. And we will see you guys thank next you time. All right, everyone, that was our interview for this episode. Very interesting and awesome. So I know right now is a very, very rough time for everyone. And there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of fear and just chaos everywhere. And people are feeling it. A lot of people don't know what is going to happen next for them or for our nation or even for our world in general. And it's super confusing right now. But I just wanted to take a few moments just to kind of reel it in for everyone, whoever is listening, if we can all just do like a couple of deep breaths with me and just kind of root into our root chakras. If anyone who doesn't know what a chakra is, they are seven energy points in your body, but there's seven out of actually, there's 114 chakras total. I don't know if everyone knew that, that you have a bunch of chakras. They're basically coming out of all sorts of different points of your body, from your fingertips to your tips of your toes, the bottom of your hands, the center of your hands. And they're also seven main ones that go up your body starting from the um, the base of your spine. So we're going to focus on the one at the base of your spine today, if you will, if you want to with me. I know I talk about a lot of hippy-dippy stuff, so this is optional, of course, but I just feel like it's really healthy for everyone just to kind of root down into that energy point of security and safety and balance and grounding, especially right now, because I feel like that's something that everyone needs. So if you don't mind, we're going to take about three deep breaths. And I'm going to say some affirmations after him. And you can either repeat after me. Sorry about my dog. He's freaking out in my bedroom. <laughs> you can either repeat after me or you can just say it in your head, however you feel comfortable doing it. Or you can skip forward if you don't feel like doing it. And you're like, Indy's weird. Let's just not. No, right? we're going to do it. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with one deep breath in. And then we're going to breathe out. I am safe. And you can repeat that to yourself here in your head. We're going to do another uh, deep breath in. And then we're going to breathe out. I am grounded. And we're going to do one more deep breath in. And then another one out. I am secure. I am secure. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. I'm gonna go to bed now. Wow. Thank you. This is a whole new Julian. Hi. I'm uh -huh. Beer Queer. Right, right. Wow. It feels good. It no, feels it, good. It, it it genuinely feels good. Thank you. Like I feel it does feel good. Like it does feel good. It's good to remind ourselves because right now things kind of feel out of proportion and it's really it's a scary time and you just have to remember that you are safe and you are grounded and you are secure and it's gonna be okay, you know? Um just 
try your hardest to stay in that mindset of safety and security. Try to ground down into your feelings. Try to take deep breaths and try to, you know, turn off your phone for a little bit. It's easier said than done. I'm working from home right now. So basically everything is on either my computer or my phone. And those are like my main two focuses. And that's how I'm staying connected to everyone else. But there are certain times, like right now I'm knitting a lot and I love knitting because it gets stuff out of my hands and it makes me focus on what I'm doing. I can't touch my phone. I can't get on my computer. Sometimes I can't even use the bathroom because I'm so focused on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But it also works like meditation. So just do something like that. Something that kind of gets you plugged into yourself and just take time for yourself. Oh my gosh, but, I um, love that for you. But also at the same time, working from home is really, really hard. And it's been a lot harder, like harder than I thought it was going to be. And it's easier said than done. So Julian, I think that you're probably one of the most organized people that I know. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Um, productive. I mean, you're very so that's just who you are. But <laughs> oh, so I was wondering if you had any like tips and like tricks for us and the listeners as far as like working at home and staying productive and being focused because I really am struggling and I'm expected to produce things and I'm like, how can I produce things when I'm in my fucking pajamas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That. Yeah. So like, um, first of all, thank you for doing the breathing exercises because I feel very healed right now. Um, and I was going to say, too, that I think that the interview reminded us that um, that we do need to, you know, stay politically active. But taking time to just breathe is also so, so important, especially for self-care. Um uh-huh. But yeah, so I have been working from home. And so I've I've had to do it a little bit with, with this job I have right now. But right now we're kind of working from home for like the next few weeks. And so I've had to like really, really invest in um, my uh, home office area, as I like to call it. So that's the first thing that I would first like I would recommend first is that Find a spot in your, whether it's your apartment or your house or a corner, make that your designated like work area, like an area where you can uh, specifically shut off your laptop and walk away from it. Because I find that I'm a lot more productive when I know that I have a space that's just work and not play. Right. And then like, then when I close my laptop then I can just walk away from it and not really think about it. Right. The other thing I'd really recommend too is that not that you need to dress up. In my opinion, when you're working from home, you have to be comfortable, but try not to get into the habit of wearing your pajamas when you're working from home because then you like you just don't feel like you're dressing up for work, right? Like it's really important when you're working that you're like in the work mode. At least that's how I feel personally. Some people can like work from home in their pajamas and that's great. I'm jealous, but I personally can't do that. So I have to at least wear like quote unquote real clothes, right? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like that though, because that kind of puts you in the mindset of still being in the working mood yeah. because you're used to up in the morning and washing your face and brushing yeah. your teeth and doing your hair yeah. and ready for work. So you can do that at home. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I'm going to try yeah, that. Yeah. And the other thing too, you, you were, you touched on this just now having a schedule is also really important. Like having, like keeping your same routine, regardless if you're working from home or going to the office or going to the shop, like wherever you work, maintaining that relatively same routine is also really, really important. When you work from home, it's not like try not to get into, and I'm not saying you, but like in general, like try not to get into the habit of like sleeping in. Um, 
Mm-hmm. then you like kind of have a weird funky schedule and it just feels like you're kind of rolling out of bed and it's just rolling into work, you know? And like I said, like these are just tips that I'm recommending and some people can totally operate differently from what I'm talking about. And that's super cool. Um, and I'm just trying to share like my experiences personally. Um, and the other thing too, is that make sure that you set very specific, um, what I like to call office hours that you know that when you are working you're working from like this time to this time and stick with it like do not engage in any other work-related thing outside of those hours to help give yourself like that mental space of like um plugging in and unplugging um Uh and um the other thing i want to mention too is that and probably the like one of the most important ones is that go outside you know, like that will help you keep you from getting cabin fever and feeling like you're cooped up all day. If you've been sitting down for like a couple of hours, like take five minutes to just go for like a nice walk and kind of just enjoy nature around you or like go get coffee or do something, do something that you enjoy. Or like, uh-huh. it, like if, if, if you're allowed to take an hour lunch break, you know, take that hour to go for a nice walk, take that hour to like, go run a personal errand if you need to like make the most out of your time so that you can stay productive and also not feel like you're going to have cabin fever. Um, but those are really the like main things I think I would just stick with. Like, you know, if, if anything, I think my main takeaway is that, you know, keep a designated work area, you know, put on like, don't, don't put on pajamas, put on like maybe a comfy shirt. Right. Um, take breaks and take breaks often and stick with a really set office hours um, and make sure that when you're done, you close your laptop and just walk away from it. Nice. Those are some great tips. I was actually just talking to my partner about like what you're saying, making a schedule about waking up early and making sure I work because every day at noon we're having meetings, which is great. Yeah. But I've been finding myself like not working until like after the noon, afternoon yeah. and like at night. Yeah. And it hasn't really worked for me because I will like work for 45 minutes and then stop and then I'll clock out and then clock back in for like an hour and a mm-hmm. half and then stop and clock back out. And I'm like, I can't get paid like that. No. So I think tomorrow I'm going to wake up around like nine put in my hours until 12 and then clock out and then clock back in later and see how that works yeah like an actual work day yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then like try that for a few days because like you have to like really get used to like um a routine before like it really sticks with you right um but i have also found that working from home has been a pretty challenging as well even though i've done this a few times because I know I have to do this for a long period of time. So I like have to really invest in my space around me. That's the other thing too. Like if, if you are going to work from home for a while, invest in your space, like get a nice chair, get like comfy headphones with, uh, with a mic, you know, um, I, I went ahead and bought a like lumbar support cushion for my computer chair. Cause I'm going to be sitting for a while. Right. Um, so like really uh-huh. make sure that like whatever space that you own as your working space, like really own it and like make it your own and make it comfortable for you. Cause you like, it's, it's, you, you get the luxury of being home. Right. So you can just do whatever. You want. Yeah. But also like, you can't just be straight chilling too, but yeah, I think cool. that's really all I have for like my tips. I should do this every so often, like Julian's Virgo tips. Yeah. We should make it a segment. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and instead of me giving tips, it's like I, I give two tips and the both of y'all can drag me for being a Virgo. Is that what the Virgo in you uh-huh. wants? You know, no, that's my Leo oh, moon. No. That's what my Leo wants. You have Leo moon yeah, too? Me too. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah. That's my moon. Sign. Oh my god, yeah. I have a Leo moon and I have a Scorpio rising. Oh wow. So <laughs> I'm a Cancer rising. <laughs> um, my partner is a Pisces with a double Cancer. Oh wow, that's a lot of water. He's so emotional. I'm just like, oh my baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much, y'all, for tuning in. Um, if you haven't heard of us until today well hello and welcome uh we're here uh i hope you keep listening and if you're a day one fan thank you to y'all as well if you haven't yet please check out our facebook which is at beer queer podcast i promise we're doing our best to keep as updated as possible but life happens and there you have it right um and then i believe we still have our twitter right my yes yes possibly Okay, it's Veer underscore Queer HTX. And don't forget to check out all the other really cool articles from Spectrum South's web's website. Wow, Spectrum South's website. Because <laughs> they do put out some really great content that I would really recommend checking out. Um, but with that, I am Julian. Andy. And we'll see you all next time. Stay well. Bye. Beer Queer is a Spectrum South podcast hosted by Julian Gomez, Mai Ha, and Andesha Haynes with interviews by Kevin Anderson, Furnace McFarlane, DeAndre Moore, and Melanie Termina Payne. Series produced and edited by Danny Benoit. Episodes are released bi-weekly. Be sure to subscribe to Beer Queer on iTunes and Spotify. Episodes are also available at SpectrumSouth.com. Visit SpectrumSouth.com to learn more.